Let's pray together. Lord God, we come before you this morning and we recognize and we say that there is no other God but you. You are God and there is no other. You are God and we are not. And so help us, Lord, this morning, each of us to come not with our own selves, our own plans, our own purposes and all these things set before us, but instead may May you be first. May we set you above all things. May your plans, may your purposes, may you be above all in our hearts and our affections and our lives and our desires in this church and in all things. And so we pray and even plead for that, Lord, in us, that you may do that. That you may help us to come with humble and ready hearts to receive your word, O oh Lord. We need your word. We need you to speak. We know that every time scripture speaks, God speaks. Amen. And so may we receive your word this morning. May we even trust you with all of our days. We don't know how long we'll have in this world. We don't know how long we'll be doing this or that, but we do know that you are Sure, you are eternal, you are faithful, you are infinitely wise, infinitely good. And in you we have a rock that is immovable, and so may we look to the rock this morning. May you help us to set aside idols or anything this morning, right now even, that we would put anything that maybe we've put before you, may we put that aside May we cast it off, any sin in our lives. May we say that that is not where I will find life. That is not where I will find satisfaction. It is only in Christ. And so help us, Lord, to come with open and honest hearts, honest with ourselves, honest with our condition. We pray for our nation that you may indeed lead it in the same way to come to its knees and to repent and seek your face. May you help us as churches, our church and all the churches around us, all of, all of the brothers and sisters that surround us, that we would seek you and fall on our faces, seek your face and humble ourselves. Those who are lost, who do not know Christ, may you help them to see the beauty and the wonder of the gospel which defies their sin, which defies and is offensive to the sinful nature, but may they see the truth and believe and be saved. May you help us to take the gospel out to those around us who are desperately in need of Christ. And so we pray for your hand upon us now as we turn to your word. May your word be heard today, and may Christ be adored. Amen. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you would, go ahead and turn in your Bibles to the letter to the Galatians. We'll be continuing our study, walking through 
Galatians. And so we'll be in Galatians chapter 5, verses 13 through 15 this morning. Now imagine, if you would, that for every workplace or every school or every home, there was a painting there. There was a painting there on their door or in their lobby, or if it's your home above your fireplace. But there's one thing about this painting. It's a little different. It's not the same as other paintings. It's a little different and something unique about these paintings. It's a painting that changes and it transforms as it reflects the way and the attitude and even the manner and even the heart of that workplace or of that school or of that home. And so some of the paintings, wow, I mean, they are filled with all variety of colors and all variety of hues. They are radiant. They are vivid. They are beautiful. But wow, others are not. (laughs) They are, in so many words, you know, just ugly, unpleasant, you know, cold. Now, imagine further that this isn't just limited to workplaces or schools or homes, but that these paintings are in every church as well. I wonder, as people enter in to churches all around the world, what kind of painting they would see. wonder what they might look like. What kind of painting even might we have? What would people see when they came in to Haven Baptist Church and the painting that they would see on our wall? And what would it reflect? This morning, our passage will in many ways call us to consider that question. And of course, it's not talking about paintings and all this, but it gets at this and it gets us to asking the question, will we be that beautiful, radiant, vivid, wonderful painting? And so Paul, he calls those who are free, who have life in Christ, who know Jesus Christ, who have been redeemed by Christ to be a painting that vividly radiates the beauty and the glory and the wonder and the joy of the gospel. That is what our painting is to look like when you come into Haven Baptist Church. And so to see this, then let's begin here in Galatians chapter 5. Verse 13, and I'll read the verse 15. May God bless the reading of his inerrant word. Amen. For you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, 
Watch out that you are not consumed by one another. So over the course, really, of this whole book, but especially of these last number of verses and chapters, Paul, he has been talking a lot about freedom. And really, this whole epistle, as we saw last time, could be typified under one word, which would be freedom, right? However, he's not talking about, as we're thinking about the word freedom, he's not talking about you know, civil or even kind of a physical sort of freedom, but the freedom that we have in Christ. And so back in chapter 5, verse 1, he wrote, For freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. And even in our verses I just read, so verse 13, For you were called to freedom, brothers. Now, the threat to freedom is simple. It's Jesus plus anything else. Jesus plus anything, and it can be anything. It's simply adding anything else as the basis for salvation. Now, that word basis is important, and it matters massively. Paul, he has been arguing very carefully, very logically, very biblically, and showing and saying that Jesus and Jesus alone is the basis for salvation. There is no other way to be saved except through Christ. It is Jesus plus nothing equals salvation. So he is the ground, he is the foundation, he is the only one who saves. There is no other, and there can be no other. However, for those who know Christ, he is the basis, but upon knowing Christ, believing Christ, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved and is saved. After knowing him then, we see that freedom will look like something. Those who know him, they won't just be kind of like an empty you know, seed in the ground. But what will they look like? They will, they will grow and they will produce and they will bear fruit. Not because ultimately because of them, there's knowing, no one going to heaven in the end who will say, look what I did. But no, I mean, this will be all look what he did. You see all that fruit there? That was all what he did. All glory be to God. Not to us, but to his name give glory. And so Paul, he clarifies here what freedom frees you to do then. And what the painting that Christ is forming in you and informing in us what that painting will look like. And so we see part of what that is here. And so first, see here, see in Christ you're freed to love. See in Christ you are freed to love. And so he says in verse 13, only do not use your freedom 
as an opportunity for the flesh. So Paul writes this because he sees danger coming. He's been addressing a lot of danger already with the Judaizers, right? But now he sees another sort of danger coming, and now he is warning of this danger, and so he warns here of a dangerous error. He has powerfully taken the Judaizers' false message, which was Jesus plus circumcision, Jesus plus the law, and he has shown it to be empty, he has shown it to be false, and he has shown it that it is not the gospel. But as he does all this, he sees some people coming. (laughs) He sees Mr. and Mrs. Licentiousness coming his way. Mr. and Mrs. Immorality. And this is what they're essentially saying. Oh, I I like what you're saying, Paul. And I, I agree with it wholeheartedly. You say that we're free, right? Now we can do whatever we want. I mean, who cares about fruit? We're free in Christ. I mean, we profess Christ, fruit or no fruit, we're free. Mr. and Mrs. Licentiousness. Now, the struggle we have with that is that they're right and they're wrong. <laughs> right? And this is, this is always the way it kind of goes. And it's so masks, masked and it can so easily deceive us because it sounds, yeah, you're right, we're free in Christ We have life in Christ. Jesus is the basis for salvation. Yes. And that is right. However, those who know Christ, oh my, we are never the same again. When Christ takes your life and you come to faith in him, you will never, ever be the same again. Again, and we see this right in Galatians as Paul is just wondering and in awe of what Christ has done in him. And what does he say? I have been crucified with Christ and it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me and the life I now live by faith. I live by faith in the son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. He's just amazed. He will never be the same. And so, for us, for those who know Jesus Christ, that means flowing from salvation, with Jesus alone as the basis of our salvation. That seed does not remain in the ground. It does what? It grows. (laughs) bears fruit that means we will obey we will love we will grow we will become more and more like our Lord Jesus Christ and so our painting it will not be filled with thorns and thistles and this is why Paul says this here their painting the Galatians and our painting, your painting, should look like something. 
And so he makes clear that walking in the flesh is not this kind of freedom. Walking in the flesh is not this kind of freedom. When you come to faith in Christ, God, he is not saying at that point, all right, you know, Jesus, you're saved, so just go ahead, you know, go be mean, (laughs) go be a grump, you know, isolate yourself, you know, abound in self-love. Now that you know Jesus, I mean, you're free to do whatever. Well, that's not freedom. And that's not the freedom that Paul is talking about here. The flesh does not offer freedom. Why? Because the flesh is the old self. The flesh is the old self. So the flesh, it's, it's all you. It's no God. It's all you, no spirit. It's pleasure in self. It's pleasure in sin. It's pleasure in what your own hands have done. And this is why Paul said what he said back in chapter 3, verse 2 through 3. He said, let me ask you only this. Did you receive the Spirit by works of a law or by hearing with faith? Are you so foolish, having begun by the Spirit? Are you now being perfected by the flesh? And so we see that the flesh and the Spirit, they are in deep, deep contrast. And the, the two, they form two very different paintings. So instead of turning to the flesh, our freedom then is to lead to service. To service. So in contrast to the flesh, through love, verse 13, through love, serve one another. We're beginning to see that painting and its vividness and its beauty appear. Now, first note here the simple words, one another. The Christian faith, it is not a Lone Ranger, kind of John Wayne sort of spirituality. That is not a biblical spirituality. That is not the way that Christ sees his body. That has never been the way that the body of Christ should be understood. This isn't all do it yourself. There are others here. And you were never, ever meant to do this on your own. We need each other desperately. And if you are living your Christian life apart from the body of Christ, even being within the body of Christ, but apart from the body of Christ, you are not seeking to live out the fullness of what God is calling you to do and to be. Being part of the body of Christ means you'll be doing this. You'll be aiming at lives lived for Christ together. And so there's no such thing as a solitary kind of Christianity. And one massive part of this is service. Service. You will be serving one another. 
And it won't be just serving one another, you know, like through Sunday school or through some program we do or anything like that. Service will be interwoven into Sunday mornings, Wednesday nights, throughout the week, home groups, everything. We will be aiming and orienting ourselves towards everyone, desiring and longing to serve one another under Christ and in Christ. And so our painting, it will be filled with glad saints offering up themselves for one another's good. So in doing this, we are following Christ's example. And what did he say in Matthew 20, verse 26 through 28? He said, but whoever would be great among you must be your servant. And whoever would be first among you must be your slave. Even as the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Must be your slave, he says. And that's what this word is here in Galatians. And of course, in our English Bibles, serve one another, but it it really is the word for slave, to be slaves of one another. That's how and that's what our service is to look like. And is that not just a total contrast? Everything we have grown to, to know of America and of life here. We all have our islands, but that is not the gospel. That's not the way the body of Christ is to function. We're to serve one another. And so the flesh is actually not the result of freedom in Christ. This is. Services. And so let me ask all of us here then, how are you using your freedom? God, he is calling us to be servants, serving like we are slaves of one another. Freedom in Christ is not to drive us to the flesh, but to the spirit and to service. And so one wonderful, beautiful part of this painting will be believers serving one another gladly. You want to know how this, when the Spirit of God is at work in a congregation, in your life, one evidence of that is you will be serving one another. And so our freedom is to lead to service and our freedom is to lead to love. It's through love we serve one another. And Paul, he kind of surprises us a bit here too. And so to further make his point in verse 14, what does he do? What does he quote from? The law. Is that not a surprise? Surprise. I mean, the whole of Galatians, he's saying, no, no, Christ alone, not law, not circumcision, only Christ. But then he quotes from the law. <laughs> now, this might be confusing to us, you know, at first, like, 
what? I thought all that was like, you know, off the board, you know. I thought we kind of laid that aside, Paul. I mean, what's going on here? However, this is, this is no problem for Paul because he knows the gospel. He knows good, sound theology, good, sound doctrine. He has been making clear over and over again that the law and circumcision are not the basis. That's why I said that word's important, are not the basis for our salvation. Christ alone is. This does not mean that the seed will remain in the ground. It will bear fruit. And this does not mean that we are to throw off learning from the law. And it does not mean that we are to throw off being instructed from the word of God. And so flowing from our tree then will be fruit. And so he says then without batting an eye that the whole law is fulfilled in loving your neighbor as yourself. Now, as you hear that, we need to be kind of throwing a bit of pop psychology off here as we hear that. What do I mean? Well, love your neighbor as yourself. You're saying, I need to love myself before I can love my neighbor. At least that's what we've been told, right? Have you guys heard that before? Yay, nay? (laughs) Yes, that's right. Well, this is not saying that. This is not saying that you need to love yourself first. We, and let's be honest here, we have absolutely no problem with that part. (laughs) That is exactly what we love to do. (laughs) It is what we do. We love ourselves without even trying. It is our default setting. I mean, when you wake up in the morning and you come to church or whatever you do, you know, everyone doesn't say, oh, great job. You were hungry and you ate breakfast. I mean, I'm so proud of you. Well, why don't we? I mean, because that's natural even for our kids. I mean, one of the first things they're doing is like, where's breakfast? I mean, they're thinking about their tummy. Default setting. And so, no. Here we are being called to what our flesh is not inclined to do. And what is that? That is to love others. That is not what we generally are just inclined and even want to do. We just want what we want. I want my way. I want my desires met. Please me. But that's not what God calls us to do. And that is not what those who are free in Christ are called to do. We are called by the power of the Spirit of God in Christ to love one another. And this we do by faith, empowered by God's Spirit. And so this isn't this isn't easy. Why? Because we are all mightily unlovable. (laughs) I mean, all of us here, we have our problems, we have our struggles, we have things that we're dealing with, and we can sometimes be 
not very kind to one another. But none of that is what unites us, is it? What unites us is Jesus Christ. And so we walk and we love one another even when we get angry at each other. (laughs) Even when we get mad at each other. Even when we have a conflict. Because Christ is the one we are living for. And this is what This is what Jesus does in his church. This is what he does in us. John Piper, he says so helpfully of this verse. This is not a harder, there is not a harder command in the Bible than this one. It means want to feed the hungry as much as you want to feed yourself when you get hungry. It means want to feed your neighbor a jo- uh, find your neighbor a job as much as you are glad you have a job? Want to help your fellow student get A's as much as you want to get A's? Want to help the person stalled on the freeway as much as you are glad you are not stalled on the freeway? Want to give to the poor softball player a chance to play as much as you want to play the whole game? Want to share Christ with your neighbor as much as you are glad you know Christ yourself. And as we, as the body of Christ, embrace these things, and we say, oh my, oh no, I can't do that, and that is exactly what God wants you to do. Like, I do not have the resources in myself to do this. We have seen this really throughout the whole of Galatians. It is what is by God's work that you are saved. By faith in Christ alone. No effort of your own. And so then, that if we want to see faith, if we want to see love, if we want to see service abound in us, it does not go then to us and say, all right, Pull up your bootstraps and do this thing. That is not what God's calling us to do. He's saying, by faith, rely on me and seek to love one another. Seek to serve one another to the glory of God. In that painting, we are coming and gathering and serving and loving one another. What a beautiful painting that is. How wonderful it is. And that painting, it is filled with love for others, with images of believers in one another's lives, imperfections and all. I'm a mess, but I'm going to be with you and I'm going to live my life together with you. You're going to see all this mess of my home, of my family, of my children, trying to raise them, and all these things, trying to discipline them. It's all there. We're not going to hide those things and say they don't exist and act like we're just holier than everyone else. Those things happen. And we're going to live this life together in Christ because we're not our hope. Christ is our hope. We're all sinners. And so we come to the one who comes to save sinners. And so we don't live as though, yeah, I came to Christ for salvation, but now I'm holier than anybody else. We don't do that. We say, I am desperately in need of Christ every single day. Every single hour, I need you. 
And so this painting is filled with that. It's filled with people being in one another's lives, filled with grace towards one another, filled with images of brothers and sisters lifting one another up when they're needy, when they're hurt, when they're broken, when they're struggling with sin, when they're struggling with self, when they're struggling with family or whatever it be. And it's filled with images of us going out to the lost and to the needy and telling them the good news of Jesus Christ. It is filled with images of people serving in all variety of ways. And is that not a beautiful painting? But we just come saying, I'm ready to serve. Lord, use me, whether I'm nine years old or 90 years old. If I can't physically do it, I'll do something else. It's a beautiful painting. And that's what we're called to be. But that's not the only painting that Paul has here. He also has another painting. And this one, only way we can put it is it is not so pleasant. It is exactly opposite of everything we just saw. And so here he warns us, beware of the danger of fleshly division. Beware of the danger of fleshly division. And we see how dreadful this painting or picture is in verse 15. And it's not pretty. It stands in absolute contrast to what we just saw. And it's a picture filled with stains. It's a picture filled with pain-filled faces. It's a picture filled with anger. And really, in the end, it's just a picture filled with beasts. Is that not what verse 15 says? But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. A terrible painting. And all of that is not what God is calling us to be. As much as we won't and don't like to zoom in on this, we need to. What this fleshly division looks like is this fleshly division doesn't serve others. This fleshly division does not serve others. Who does it serve? Itself. And these verses, they're mighty humbling, aren't they? (laughs) And they ought to humble us. They ought to humble us. They ought to cause us just to cry out before the Lord. Lord, I see that in me. I see that selfishness in my heart, in all these areas. And I just pray, help me. Help me be less selfish. Help me be less prideful. Help me be less demanding of my own way. And help me be more 
like Christ, who humbled himself even to the point of death, even death on a cross. That's the kind of servant I want to be. And so as we hear that, our disposition is to be one of self-examination, one of bending of our knees, one of repentance, one of humbling of ourselves. And God, he may be calling you to do that this morning. Or maybe something else. But whatever it is, let's aim at serving with all our hearts. And so this fleshly division, it does not serve others. It serves itself. And this fleshly division also doesn't care for others. It doesn't care for others. It only wants its own way. It only wants what it wants. So the fleshly person, maybe upon hearing all this, this sermon, and these verses, which we can so often do, I mean, we can come to a sermon like this and say, oh yeah, that person over there, they need to hear that. <laughs> but man, we would be missing what God is calling us to do individually this morning. Amen. It would be wrong for us to say, oh man, you know, I didn't hear all that stuff about, you know, how we're to go and be a slave and to love one another and about Christ and all that self stuff. But I did hear him talk about love yourself some. I like that part when he started talking about that. More of me. Not less. I like that. But how grievous. May that not be the way that we hear the word this morning, but ask ourselves, is this us? Is this us? Is this me? So friends, these are deeply different paintings. Vastly different pictures of what we are to be versus what we need not be. And so here are the options. Love, motivated service, or flesh, motivated destruction. There they are. How beautiful is the one and how dreadful the other. The one is like, you know, beautiful, warm, and pleasant waters. And the other is akin to being lost in a forest, surrounded by bears, by wolves, and snakes, growling, snapping, and beneath your feet. A terrible picture. And so to all this then, what Christ is calling us to this morning is he's calling us to love. He's calling you to ask how you can love one another. How can you serve one another? How can you care for one another? How can you pray for one another? How can you not say, how, how can I give more to myself, but instead ask, how can I give more of myself? More thankfulness and more of lives overflowing with the freedom that we have in Christ because that first painting is what 
freedom in Christ looks like. So what might it look like if we aim not just at knowing the word in our heads, but letting it affect our hearts and to transform our lives like this? What if we aimed at being experts, not in pride in the flesh, but in humility? What if you had a PhD in humility, a PhD in loving one another, a PhD in serving one another. Oh Lord, help us aim there. What if we had a PhD in denying ourselves, giving up ourselves, walking in humility, and living by faith? That's the kind of expertise I want know the word, and live out the word. May the Lord work in us. May we become experts in serving and loving one another as those free in Christ. So consider this question then. Which painting will we have in our lobby? When people come to Haven Baptist Church, Which painting will they see? What will our church look like? What will your home look like? What will your life look like? May the beauty of Christ and his work abound in us. Let's pray. Father, pray as we, every single one of us, come with our heads bowed and and just pray to you. We're not praying to these walls. We're not praying to me. We're praying to you. And so may we examine our hearts right now and consider these verses ourselves. Even as I know you have been working in my own heart this week, Show me all a variety of ways. I need to change. I need to grow. I need to be loved and love and to serve gladly. And so may we who know Christ here this morning not think of freedom as apart from fruit, but see that it is connected directly to fruit. That flowing from Christ, we bear fruit. And this is what it looks like. And so help us, Lord, to consider how we're serving, to consider how we're loving one another, how we're loving our children, how we're loving our spouses, how we're loving our fellow employees, how we're loving those we go and are served by at restaurants, how we're loving those in the grocery store, how we're loving each other here at Haven. Examine our hearts right now, we ask, and may you sanctify us and conform us to Christ. We also pray if there's anyone here who doesn't know Christ this morning, and they have heard a lot about the freedom and about Christ and about all these things, loving one another, serving one another, 
and yet they wonder, you know, how, how do I know that person, Jesus? What, 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 is, what does it mean to have life through him? Well, it means to cry out to God and to believe that Jesus came and died for them. And that this very day that they can have all their sins forgiven by looking to faith, looking by faith into Christ. And you will save them. All their guilt, all their shame, all their failure, failures, all their many sins will be forgiven. And so maybe that's what you need to do today. If you're here, just cry out to him and he will save you. And so Lord, we pray that you would help us to respond to your word now. May we be known for our love and service. May we be known for the gospel. May we be known for heralding Christ. May you work in us this morning, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.